Hey, this is Chris and Jan Woodruff, and you are listening to the Hindsight Podcast, where we sit down with people and we take a look back at what we can learn from a very specific season in their life. Welcome back to the Hindsight Podcast, everybody, and to 2019. We're Happy in a new, new year. year. Yeah. yeah. We're in a new year. 2018 was an awesome one. That's good. That was fun. Uh, just a lot of fun things that we did just personally as a family, and then just fun doing this. We got to learn a lot. Hopefully, you guys had an awesome new year and uh, and have got to catch up. Uh, we took a little bit of extra break. We said we were going to come back in January. Took a little bit longer, jumping back into school and just all the things, as you all probably know, getting into all things new in New Year with the kids and, and all the different stuff uh, just pushed us back a little bit farther. Um, so now we're excited to jump back in. But hopefully that's given you maybe a little bit of time to catch up and listen to everything up to this point mm-hmm. and, uh, and get ready to launch with us into this next season and series uh, of the Hindsight Podcast where we're going to dig into some marriage stuff. Yeah, we're super excited. Um, obviously, we, we've taken a lot away from our previous guests, and we're going to unpack some of that during this episode, but we are looking forward and really going to be sitting down with some couples who have been married 30-plus years yeah. and figuring out how do you go the distance and how do you do it in such a way that you really still like each other. And we have some couples that have who model that for us. And not that it's been perfect along the way, because as we know, that's not real marriage. But there is something to it. And I want to, I look forward to really looking at these couples and finding out what are some of the key things that help keep them engaged and excited to serve together and, and show general love for each other. Yeah, I'm excited. There's uh, there's some couples we've kind of hung with for a while mm-hmm. uh, and really observed, but never got to sit down and really learn from. Right. And so I'm really excited right. to be able to, to sit and ask them some questions uh, and really see what are some of the, the pieces for them that have gotten them to, oh gosh, some of these couples were looking at 35 years, 38 years, 49, 50 years. Yeah. Excited to see, you know, for them, what was the secret sauce? Yeah. And it's been interesting. I mean, we've been married, we're going into our 19th year. And what I've learned is that there are definitely seasons with each either decade or every seven years or whatever the formula is. And there's definitely highs and lows or dips and valleys or just challenges or mm-hmm. sweet seasons that come with any of those areas. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how they get to the point where they are now. Yeah. So that's coming up. But first, we've got two episodes, lucky you, <laughs> with Chris and Jan. Um, so speakers. That's right. That's right. So we're going to spend the next two episodes uh, talking about two things. One, first, in this episode, we're going to just recap some things from 2018 and all the folks and the parents that we sat with. And we're going to talk about a couple things here. We're going to talk about, one, what are some things that we applied? So immediately start to apply and are starting to see uh, where they're working and where it's been neat for us to grow as parents and and doing some of this with our kids. We're also going to talk just a little bit about a few things that we learned through some of these discussions that we wish we would have started earlier. Right. You know, after hearing them go, oh, wow, that would have, I wish we would have started that five years ago. So for those of you that have young kids, that may be something for you that you kind of look into and go, okay, that's a good idea. We need to start that now. The 
Woodruff's didn't, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, so we're going to share a few of those things. And then we're also going to share just a few things that we've also learned from some folks al- along the way that we haven't sat with, that we started applying early on, both in parenting and in our marriage. So those are some of the things we're going to hit on in this episode. Next one, we're going to really start digging into um, some marriage stuff. What was really good, and obviously we've shared this way back when in the beginning of our intro for doing this podcast in general, is not just to hear us talk or to sit down with great people, but really we are being super duper intentional. We have an agenda, and our agenda is to be better parents and to be have a great marriage. And um, so for us to unpack this with you is really just kind of sharing a little bit of what our learning was personally and how we're implementing it. So... Let's go ahead and jump in and start talking about what are some of the great things that we got from the couples that we sat with this past year. Yeah, and there were actually way more than this, but we tried to narrow it down to, you know, kind of what's the top three or four uh, that we wanted to recap where we've already started to implement and where we've seen some really cool um, benefit. So one of them is that uh, is that came with, with Boyd and Rita. And, and what's really interesting is we had a, another conversation with another couple that has kids same age as us, um, the McFaddens, and they started actually doing this, uh, not hearing our podcast. They heard about it from someone else. But this whole idea of the personal spending uh, with your kids and starting to look at what do you spend you know, on the, the needs side of things in a year and start to calculate out, all right, what does that look like? And mm-hmm. start to give them that money so that they can start learning how to manage it and spend it. And so we just started this right. uh, just this month. Correct. We um, looked at the whole year at large and CJ just turned 16 and he's driving. Yep. We've decided this would be a great year for him to start implementing this. So just know that we're excited about it, but we are in a brand new learning phase to see how it's really going to roll out. But we sat with him and said everything that you usually get from us, whether it be shoes, socks, underwear, sweatpants, sweatshirts, you know, toiletries, any of those items that would be factored in over a given year, we've factored in a budget and he's going to be given a monthly increment and he's got to learn how to account for his spending as well as monitor his budget as to when he needs to buy those things. Yeah. So we broke down in a spreadsheet uh, and really kind of looked back over the years of what have we've spent for, like how many pairs of shoes do we buy in a year? And, uh, and then how many times do we buy him new shorts in the spring or in the fall? Um, how many pairs of sweatpants? Because he's growing, he's getting taller, things right. don't new fit jacket, anymore. Sweatshirt. A new winter coat or jacket, sweatshirts, T-shirts, whatever it may be. Factored in all of those things and calculated out how much, uh, and in a given time when we're spending it, how much are we spending? Mm-hmm. So we calculated all that up. And the other thing that we added in, because he's now 16 and driving, we also added in some gas. And what we did on the gas is we added in what we would spend if we were carpooling him because now he's driving himself. So we're not giving him money, like gas money, to go do his things. We're giving him what it was going to cost us if we were still taking him to swim practice because he has swim practice, I don't know, 10 practices a week or something. It's crazy. Every six days a week. Yeah. And, uh, And so we're giving him that gas money as well and then also whatever carpool money we were given for um, getting him to school and stuff like that. So built in is all of his needs from a 
toiletries, clothing perspective, and then gas money. And we break it down monthly, and then within the month, he actually gets it every two weeks. It's two payments, like a paycheck. Right. So realistically, when he will start getting a job, in most cases they do an every two-week pay cycle, he's going to learn what it's like at 16 to start getting that type of uh, a, a process and our hopes, I mean, and let's just be honest, this is, you know, literally month one. Um, we're encouraged because it's A, showing him he's already realized how much things cost and also how quickly things can go away. So since he's been driving, it's really easy to run through a drive through Yeah, and he's done that quite a bit. Right. And because his schedule is very long during the day. And so with getting up early to go uh-huh. swim, then go to school, then go back to swim, and then he has some other... Um, extracurricular things that happen at night, he's hungry. And so we're like, you're going to drain your or your budget budget. Yeah, because we don't quickly. give him money for the food. Right, because we have food at home. We've got food at home. But if he's going to choose to use that for food, that means instead of buying a $60 pair of shoes, he's only going to have $30 right. because he's spending the other 30 on food. And so he's learning that really quickly, that his money is disappearing really quick. Right. And he's already talked about a new pair of shoes, and he's going to have less money to do that with. Mm-hmm. And he's also seeing where he's got to fill up the gas tank, and you know that's $35, $40. And so he's starting to see where it comes and goes and how to manage that. And so it's it's been good, even in the first month, yeah. to start to see that. The other thing, this is what we learned from the McFadden, uh, which is kind of an add-on, is before CJ gets his money for March, he's got to come sit down with us and reconcile February. So we've got to talk about where did you spend your money in February. Mm-hmm. And it's like what it is is it's built-in coaching opportunities. So it's an opportunity for us before he gets his next installment for a month for us to coach him on how he spent his money in February and go through where it's going and how would he manage it different. And then once we have that conversation, then he gets his next money. There's no consequences within it or anything like that. It's just a coaching opportunity where we sit and talk through it. But he's got to come to us and say, hey, here, let's talk about where I spent my money and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff and reconcile it against his budget. So we're really excited to learn that uh, when we sat down with them uh, over Christmas break. You know, you can be real nervous. You're probably thinking at home, like, wow, what's the age? You're going to know based on your child. For him, we felt like this was a great place for us to start. When I look back, I mean, my dad coached us on money and savings, but I can honestly say when I went to college, I don't know that I was really prepared on how to really navigate my money. And so this is what's fueling both of us is, as we sat with some of these other couples, is how are we preparing our child to launch? And some of this is really you're going to have to loosen your grip with your teenager, and you still feel like they're very young and they're very naive, and they are. However, the more information we can provide them at this stage, you know what, they're going to show... Um, that they can handle it, yeah. especially with our coaching. It's the whole idea of raising your kids to be adults because the reality is for CJ in two years, that's the reality for him. Right. And so we don't want him to walk into that and be blindsided. Uh, and so our goal really is by the time he's 17 – that he's really managing himself as right. an adult under our roof, mm-hmm. again, with the opportunity for us to coach him. Uh, and so hopefully, you know, we can loosen the reins a little bit because mm-hmm. that's only a year away. Right. Uh, and so being able to give him that 
um, that freedom. We also are talking about how, and this is the McFadden started this earlier as well. We started it when CJ turned 16. McFadden started it when uh, their daughter started, I think, high school. So we're talking about maybe doing this with Ty next year when he starts ninth grade. There's some debit card options out there where you can set up um, a debit card. He's not going to be ready to have an account yet because he doesn't have an ID. you got to have an ID, I think, to start a checking account. But there's ways to set up a debit card that we can monitor his spending and, and be able to start him earlier right. in the process of learning how. Because I, I really do see the benefit where it would have been good if we'd started earlier with CJ. Well, and think so, about our kids. They just think we're an unlimited ATM. You know, hey, Mom, I need $20. I need one, especially school stuff. Yeah. You know, we've got, I need this, I need this. And, and that money over a course of three children adds up very quickly. And so this has been helpful for us with our personal budget to think if we can budget things around the kids' areas, that'll help them learn. And it also helps us to monitor where all these extra funds are going. Yeah. And, it, and I have to say, it's going to be a great tool for our other two with Ty and Rena behind CJ. They're going to learn and see that this is the model of what's coming for them. And so I think that sets a really cool standard. Yeah, absolutely. So we're excited to, to, to jump into that one. And we've already seen in this first month, just the benefits of the conversations we get to have mm-hmm. with CJ. So really encourage you guys, if you've been questioning it, wondering about it, uh, really encourage you guys to, to give it a shot or start planning for it. Uh, if you've got kids that are in that approaching high school or in that high school age, I think it's really a great thing to give them some responsibility and start to learn how to manage mm-hmm. And I think their one money. of the things that the Baileys had also shared, which a lot of us already do, is if you have little littles, then do those jars, do the give, the save and the spend. At least that's teaching kids money principles. And it's also teaching how to be a giver, a saver and a spender in a a controlled way. And that will help them prepare as you get older kids to do the debit card program. One of the other things that we got was when we sat down with the Pearsons is the verbiage contributor versus consumer. I love that. I loved how, Oftentimes, we don't realize in our home how much we are doing for our children and how much they are capable of doing. We don't give them the responsibility to do so. And we put an age on it, or I think some of it personally is a control, especially from a mom's perspective. We want to get things done quicker, faster, our way, neater, whatever that looks like. And we really rob our kids the opportunity of learning how to do things at a very small age. And then in the end, as they learn earlier, if they go on to become, you know, as they become middle school, high schools, they're your helpers. And I also think this even goes into, we've been talking about starting this uh, now, especially our kids are a little bit bigger. And so they're fully capable of cooking, but having them start to take the responsibility of they own a meal mm-hmm. a week, that they've got to come up with the meal plan and, and they've got to cook it and prepare it. And so starting again, it's that idea, even talking about the previous one of teaching them to be adults, teaching them to, to learn how to prepare meals on their own because mm-hmm. in for CJ again and Ty right behind them and then Rena, they're going to be on their own. Right. They're going to need to cook more than just a hot dog right. in the microwave. And big picture, our kids... I mean, I've baked and cooked with them since they were little, but what I've been really focusing on now to take this area to another level is, okay, what are your favorite foods? What do you love that we make in our house? Let's learn how to make those so that when you go to college, you're going to have 
five to 10 meals that you know that you love that you can cook on your own. And um, they were excited about that because they want, hey, they like to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and um, like I said, they do enjoy cooking, but oftentimes we're just in mode. And so I'm kind of throwing everything together because everybody's coming and going. But to have the responsibility of them to own a meal, I think also will give them appreciation of the time and the effort that goes into preparing a meal. Because how often out there for parents who cook that your kids are like, I don't want that for dinner. And you're like so frustrated because you just spent this time that doesn't happen easily to have kids kind of turning their nose up at you. So I think it'll also show them what goes into preparing for a large group of people. And that's just been language, too, we've started to use around the house is the contributor versus consumer. So they're just starting to hear it more and understand that it's not just about consume, consume, consume. I'm not just someone that's here and it's your job to do all this for me. They're learning and hearing the language of, okay, what it means to contribute. Okay, I am part of this house. Mm-hmm. I am part of this family. I do have to help out. Right. I got to own my stuff. And we even talk about how it's not sometimes your stuff, right? I didn't ask you whose is it. I asked you if you could do it. Right. Uh, and, and so as a family, we all collaborate. Right. It's not just my job or your job. We all pick up for each other and help out and yeah. fill in the gaps. Um, one other thing on here is don't underestimate how young your kids can start doing things. I know Elizabeth t- started talking about it at eight, they become full on consumers, <coughs> which I think is contributors. Or excuse me, contributors. But we have a two or three year old foster son, and with him being around our home and around older kids, and also helping us within Lighthouse, he watches service all the time. And so he wants to help do everything. He can empty the dishwasher. I mean, I help. I have him do the silverware, and it's a great opportunity for him to learn small spoon, big spoon, slots, what have you. He can separate the laundry in color. He can help me put it in the wash. He can help me put it in the dryer. He can help me put it in his drawers. Um, he knows how to make his bed. And he's three. And not that I'm expecting it, you know, to be able to bounce a quarter off his bed like he's in the Navy. But, you know, it's just the principle of that these are things that happen in a home and everybody's capable of helping. So I just challenge you, if you have little kids out there, find creative ways for them to start helping you with your chores and just set an expectation so that you're not frustrated. Yeah. We have a like a little handheld vacuum cleaner with a longer arm on it. It's kind of like a um, dust buster. Old school dust buster. And so when I'm going to vacuum, he wants to vacuum, but our vacuum's too heavy. So I just let him go on the hardwoods and he may miss a hundred spots, but I love the idea that he wants to contribute. So mm-hmm. look at those things at age specific um, things that you can do for your kids. And then obviously, as you have middle school and high schoolers, don't underestimate. You need to allow them to help in any way possible. They at this age don't want to help. <laughs> so that's why I say make sure you start earlier, but they are super capable. And our kids surprise us all the time because we'll say, hey, can you do this? And sometimes they'll do it even better than I could. Yeah. One of the last things, and we'll move to the next topic, is we loved this idea. And I think this one was the Pearsons again. And we already did this a good bit, but we were just, ever since sitting with them, we are much more intentional about it mm-hmm. and have really seen the benefit. And that's, for me and Jan, never leaving the house 
No, not never, because sometimes we need some alone sometimes time. Sometimes I really want to go by myself. Uh, but <laughs> trying really not to leave the house without taking someone. Right. You know, when we run to the, run errands, if we're going to the grocery store, if I'm going to Home Depot, if Jan's going to Home Depot, wherever we're going is grabbing someone. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I recently did that. I was going to this deal where I, um, where I get to be part of this organization uh, nonprofit, and, and I get to serve on their board, and they had this event, and it was something that was really just required me to be there, and uh, and none of the kids were involved at the time, but I really wanted someone to go, so I just I took Rena, and me and Rena got to spend four hours together down there. She got to meet some really cool people. She got to see some great these kids do. It's a kids entrepreneur camp called Break into Business. And, uh, and they do some really cool stuff where they teach these kids how to be entrepreneurs and build a business and a product. And Rena got to go and watch and see all this stuff and see these sharks, you know, give really cool feedback on these businesses. And she's been a part of it before, but it was just some really cool time with her and I. And then we got to have a little date night after we decided to eat down there because it mm-hmm. took us a little later into the evening. And it was just that great time where otherwise I would have probably just jumped in the car and gone by myself. Right. I just really, I grabbed Rena and said, Hey, let's go. You're going to come with me. You don't have anything going on. Mm-hmm. And we just had a really great time together. And it's just really created, even in the shorter times, really good relational time. Hey, come on. We're going here. Jump in the car with me. And, uh, and it's also been some of those where we'll go sidetrack. We'll jump, we'll go to the church parking lot. And if it's Ty and Rena, we'll let one of them drive around the parking lot, mm-hmm. you know, start playing mm-hmm. around and learning how to drive and do stuff like that. So it just creates some some good one-on-one time, right? and that's been huge for us. And we did it a little bit before. Mm-hmm. I think we're more intentional with it now. Right, and I think with teenagers, it's really awesome because our schedules and their attention span to hanging out with us is a lot different. And so what I found prior to CJ having his license, um, I had to drive him, and so he had a, a, a pretty big schedule with swimming, but that gave us amazing quality time. And I even told him, he's like, mom, you'll be so psyched when I start driving because you won't have to hang out with me or, you know, spend as much time in the car back and forth. But I said, you know, part of me is going to be sad because it, I have to say last year was probably a very poignant year for us to be able to have such quality time. And also because he was wanting to get driving hours, if I was running these random errands, I'd be like, Hey, you want to drive? Right. And it was a perfect lure right. for me to have him get some driving hours, but also for me to have some time with him. So be creative and find, and it gives you just some really great opportunity one-on-one because as much as the kids don't say they want it, there's just some really good conversations that can come out when you're driving side by side. Yeah. So that was one, again, we did some of that early on, but I think more intentional now, and it's been really good to spend that time. Now, we want to share three things, and there were probably way more than this, but again, we tried to narrow it for time's sake, but three things that we learned from sitting with all these folks that we wish we would have started sooner or just would have done more. Uh, and so one of those things, we talked about this with the Hendersons, was this idea of technology on the main level. That's one of those where we tried to implement and are still trying to implement. It's just hard. Yeah. At the ages our kids are on there, they have their habits. Right. We were not used to keeping technology on the main level. We had some rules, no technology behind closed doors, things of that sort on the upstairs level. 
but did not have this, hey, we're just going to keep it all on the main level. Right. If you want to be on it, just come downstairs and be on it. Right. But we don't want you sitting in your bed for four hours on your phone kind of mentality. Right. And it's and, definitely, you, it, we've talked about reversing it and trying to get them downstairs. But again, that's a miss. Yeah. It's one of those, I mean, we have tons of restrictions on their phones. So it's, we feel pretty confident when they're up in their room. It's not like they're navigating stuff that they... Um, shouldn't be. It's just more of the screen time that we wanted to monitor differently. And it's a miss. Yeah. It's one of those things where like, gosh, we could have started this sooner. Yeah. If we started it sooner, it'd been easier to implement at the ages they're at. It's much harder trying to go back with this one. And so we've run into some struggles with that. So if you've got kids in elementary school and even in middle school, Start that early. Start it now because it's going to get so much harder to do once they get in those later years of middle school and high school. And don't be afraid to set boundaries around technology. I know what we've become accustomed to is it's um, easy to entertain your children when you don't want to deal with conflict, right? You know, the whole going to dinner, having a blowout, whatever. What we've learned is anything with parenting is going to take a lot of effort. And the things that matter the most take more effort. And so I think when it comes to technology is huge. Um, Screen time needs to be monitored, all of us. And we've set the same boundaries for ourselves is that we don't have our phones upstairs before we go to bed because I find I don't sleep as well. So when I plug my phone in, it's far across the room from me. But don't be afraid to set those boundaries because you will see a benefit as they get older that you'll be able to implement other ways for them to spend their time. Yeah. Technology's not going away. It's the world that they're going they're growing up in and they're going to live in. It's for us now as parents trying to help them learn how to have discipline around the use of it. Not only what they're seeing, but just that darn lit up face yeah. of screen time, you know, and just helping them learn to manage that so that they're not constantly Mm -hmm. Uh, in front of the phone or the iPad or whatever it is. But we wish we had done the main level much earlier. The other thing we wish we would have done uh, regards to technology is we started this, or we played around with this early, early on, and I wish we stuck with it. We didn't. Uh, but a tech-free night, once right. a week, having technology free. So that way, everybody's engaged in conversation. The phones, it's just a given. Phones are up. We don't yeah. use phones or anything on this one night. And uh, and I wish we started that sooner and right. stuck with it. Mm-hmm. I agree. And the thing that I think Elizabeth said is that when you give, what, 15 minutes of boredom turns into this opportunity for creativity. Yeah, that's where it spurs on creativity. We see that when our kids, if we have to lock them down or take their phones on any given uh, situation, as they turn to other um, options, whether it be playing a guitar, reading a book, going outside, shooting baskets or what have you. Yeah. And then the last thing we had talked about, we wish we had started this earlier because our kids, and this even goes back to the first bit where we were talking about being a consumer versus a contributor. But getting our kids to start at an earlier age, waking up on their own, and then making their own lunches. Uh, we, we kind of, I think we did that a little bit too late right. and, and, and really gotten them to the point where they rely a little bit too heavily on us to get them up in the morning. 
uh, going in, constantly telling, hey, time to get out of bed, time to get out of bed. When they are fully capable of waking themselves up, they have alarms, they've got the whole process, as well as making lunches and getting up and being responsible and making their own. And I know it's real easy as a parent to think, oh, but I want to make my kids lunch for them. I want to, you know, do this for them. Our mm-hmm. kids are fully capable yeah. of being grown teenagers and making their own lunch. And that doesn't say anything about whether we want to care for them or take care of them. We're teaching them how to be responsible and right. make their own they deal. They totally do it when we travel because they do it when... We have guests that come and take care of them. (laughs) Right. So it's just us having to loosen those grips and continue to give them opportunities to be better prepared. And that makes their mornings smoother, makes my morning smoother. I mean, it's one thing I do enjoy helping out with that, but I do realize that it's a drain when you have four lunches to make every morning. And if for any reason I've got something and everybody else has something, it just makes our mornings a little more chaotic. So for them to own it, then they they see they're taking a little piece of that stress off the plate. And they just need to learn the responsibility of getting their own butts up out of bed. That's right. You know, they've got a of mercy. My girl has an Alexa. She's got a alarm clock. It'll go off. We all get up to her alarms, except she does not. So yeah, but she's got to start learning that, you know, she's got to have responsibility and ownership of that. And, and so starting that at an early age, uh, so she learns when she gets into high school, it's on you. You got to get up. You don't want to miss your ride. And if you do, how are you going to get to school? Because that's the reality of being an adult. You know, yeah, starting again, raise them to be adults. In middle school, we won't let them walk because we'll probably get arrested. But in high school, That's they right. can walk. That's right. <laughs> so maybe they're just riding that way while they can. Yeah, and that new high school is six miles away, so that is not <laughs> an easy walk. And no one's had to make it yet. Uh, but gosh almighty, don't want to have to do that one. That's right. All right. So, so hey, that was a little bit of the things we've learned that we've taken, uh, that we've both implemented, and things we just wish we would have sooner. This last bit, we just want to share with you some things that we've learned along the way from others. This didn't, some of this stuff just didn't come up in some of the conversations, but some others uh, along the way and from a parenting perspective mm-hmm. that we have implemented, and we've seen some really great fruit from it. Right. Uh, and, and our kids by no means are perfect, and by no means are we anywhere near perfect parents. We've seen plenty of ups and downs and struggles yeah. and conflict, um, but these are some of the things that we believe have at least gotten us to the point where we are today where we really, for the most part, do enjoy and get along with our yeah. kids. And are so thankful that we have gotten these things from different couples and that we actually implemented them. So there's so much that you get and you think about as couples that you want to do. These are some that we are so thankful for and we see the fruit of, wow, if we if we did not do these, it would have been such a miss. Yeah. So the first one, uh, and I can't remember where we learned this. It was really early on. Years ago. But we, and it was before, it was right when the Bob Goff book came out, and it wasn't the Bob Goff thing, but we had heard it from someone else. So maybe someone else had heard it, it early somewhere on. on the but kids were little, because they've been talking about it since they were three and four years yeah, old. Yeah, and what we did was we put together a 10-year-old trip for each, each mm-hmm. kid. The boys went with me. Rena went with Jan. And it was a combination of kind of a rite of passage into this double digits, right? Mm-hmm. 
and also starting to have this discussion around, hey, this is what's coming, puberty, let's talk about sex, let's kind of do that whole deal and start the conversation. And for us, that was a big deal. It was a conversation. It wasn't a one-time talk. We still talk about those things to this day. Uh, but we started that uh, with CJ and did it again with Ty and then Rena. And it was a three- to four-day trip. They got to pick where they wanted to go, continental United States. We're not going international. And so they got to pick. And what we have found is looking back, those trips have really been a staple in what we believe has gotten us into where we are in the relationships we have today. It's been a great bond for me and CJ, for me and Ty. We're starting to see that as well with Rena and Jan. Mm -hmm. Just the references that you have and the context of that trip in your history. Right. And it's just been really great. And I think that's had a lot to do with the relationships that we have with them now that quality time that was spent one-on-one for those three or four days, getting away, getting on a plane, and going somewhere. Right. And the big thing that I think we did with each of them is they chose specific... Now, we helped narrow it down because there's a financial commitment behind it, but each child went to something or went to somewhere that was really an essence of who they are. And so that's super important as a parent is to not pick where you want to travel, but to go where your child is going to do something that they are passionate about and that you champion that. Yeah. And um, we've talked about, I mean, Rena being the youngest, she's 11 now, and we just went a year ago. She lived for her trip. I mean, we talked about it for probably five years. Mom, where are we going to go? Where? And she would have all these different environments picked out and then, you know, tied behind CJ. And um, they still talk about it today. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's really cool is that each of each of us as parents with those individuals have our special memory where Ty we like, Dad, you remember we went to that one place to eat? Do you remember how fun that was? Or do you remember we went to the hot springs or and it's something that is just between them. And it's really cool to just see two conversationally what we were really nervous about having these puberty talks and sex talks with our kids. I remember CJ leaving being my first and I was like, Oh my gosh, you're going to come back different and you're going to be eyes wide open. And yet it was so sweet. His, when he came back, cause I said, Hey buddy, I just want you to know, I know you and daddy were having some man talks while you're gone, but he and I talk and I want you to know that I'm safe to be able to share with as well. And I said, you know, out of one to 10, what rate what this trip was, you know, how, how was it? He was, mom, it was a hundred. It was a hundred. <laughs> and to this day, he would say the same thing. And for us, it was definitely a financial investment, hands down, best investment we could ever yeah, make for absolutely. each of them. Absolutely. So, and it doesn't have to be elaborate. Kids don't need elaborate. Now we, we offered to, you know, we had some travel in ours that required flights and stuff, which I think is really cool for your kids to learn how to travel, but keep your budget in mind and keep the experience in mind. And it could be going to the mountains. It's only an hour away and staying in a cabin, or it could be, you know, whatever, taking your daughter to American girl or whatever it's going to be, but just be super duper intentional and have your child at the heart of every single decision. I remember back, I mean, with CJ and Ty, I do remember thinking, wow, this is, I don't know how we're going to fully make this work. Right. You know, and it wasn't extravagant by any means, but it, you know, it was a chunk. Yeah. But looking back, 
hands down worth every penny that we spent. Mm-hmm. I would do it all over again yeah. uh, because of the investment uh, of the adventure and the time that we got to spend together. It's one of those where, you know, they're old enough to remember, you know, they're not three and four years old. They're 10. Right. They're going to remember that trip forever. forever. Right. And so it was a worthwhile, total worthwhile investment. And I also just to finish up was, those stories, you know, usually the kids are a little bit, I mean, Ty being the middle guy, he catches a lot from his brother. So he's always a little farther ahead, but still having those different cult or, you know, unique conversations on those sensitive topics has become really comfortable. And because we were in those environments, it made it really comfortable. It made it safe. And now we have a really great opportunity to have awesome, transparent conversations around sex and dating and all of those things without it being awkward. Right. Uh, Along those lines, another thing that we did, and a lot of folks do this, and so this isn't unique and special, but it's definitely something that Mm -hmm. I think has led to where we have the relationships we have, is doing different dates and adventures with our kids on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And so for me and Rena, it's more dates. When it's me and the boys, it's more adventures. Uh, Mm -hmm. Same thing on the flip side with, um, with Jan. And so just figuring out how do you do those, I try to look at something quarterly um, that I'm, I'm trying to schedule in that's just not your average go out to dinner and spend time, but what's a unique thing I can put on the calendar. Again, we're not flying somewhere every quarter. These Mm -hmm. are just like a, um, a fun day adventure that I can do. Uh, if I've, I've got on the thing with the boys, I want to do a fishing day where we go up to this, you know, lake and go fishing and and whatnot. And so it's just, what is a unique Mm -hmm. thing? We don't get to go fishing every weekend. So Mm -hmm. how is that? That's a unique thing. How do I schedule that in? Um, but thinking through what are the, those things. And so that's been really uh, an important thing for us too. They were great. And we are big on travel and big on adventure and experiences. And I would love, I just love the idea that our kids have learned how to travel at a young age. And I know for you who have little ones, I was there, we were there where those are trips. There's nothing vacation about bringing a family of five anywhere with lots of luggage, sand and <laughs> naps right. and pack and plays. However, I encourage you to do it because you are training your children at a young age how to handle those environments. And so by the time they become like elementary age and middle school, they are very seasoned. Our kids are seasoned travelers and they are contributors. They know how to pack. They know how to take their stuff. They know what to take, when to take it, all that. And now they're also dreamers and planners and it's been really fun. So um, can't speak hot more highly about this. And it's been fun as, whereas Chris may take Rena out, it's been great opportunities. Then I have the boys by myself and we do adventures because moms, I, I think it's really important for me to engage with our boys on their level as mm-hmm. well. And I tend to love that stuff. So there's been times where you've gone roller skating or, you know, we go to the, you know, a jumpy park or something like that. And it's not like on the top of my list, but it breeds amazing opportunity for your kids to see you having fun with them. Yeah, absolutely. Next one is this whole idea of cars, you know, especially this Mm -hmm. was really relevant for us today with CJ being 16, Ty's 15 this year. 
and the idea of thinking through how we're going to handle cars and what's that look like. We determined after sitting down with all the folks we sat down with, we're doing a family car. And so it's a car that CJ is going to drive. And then when CJ is done driving it, Ty is going to drive it. And then Rena, if, of course, if it's still running and things work <laughs> with it, but it's a family car. And so they're going to save up to buy their own car at the age of 18. And so talking to them about how they're going to do that and that plan, starting that early, we started that at the age of, uh, I think, 11 or 12 for CJ. So now Ty's been here since he was 10. Rena's been hearing it since she was eight about starting to look for opportunities to uh, earn money, save money for that car. And what they can do is when they earn money up to a certain amount, we'll match that if they save it towards their car. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, again, that's a, like I mentioned, certain amount. Like if CJ and Ty do their aerating thing and save up $3,000, well, we're not going to instantly match $3,000, but we're going to save up to a certain amount. That also shows them the value of investment. Uh, But they've got to save up till the age they're 18. And Mm -hmm. so CJ right now is driving the family car. When he's 18, he'll be responsible for buying his own car and 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 going out and doing that on his own and we'll obviously coach him and walk alongside him and then Ty will take over the family car. Uh, and so tar- starting that conversation early so that they're thinking about it and and thinking of how do I start to be really strategic with money. Right. It's great. And we learned that I think through Dave Ramsey and, and Rachel Cruz. They did a book. His uh, Dave Ramsey's daughter wrote a book Smart Kids Smart Money and they do a great job talking about that whole process. And that's what really helped spark us coming up with a specific plan. And your kids may not be interested if they're not at a driving age, they think, what the heck, I don't really care. But you will quickly see um, as your kids get into their teenager years, the value changes. And so we're um, navigating that now. CJ's motivated now Mm -hmm. for his summer income to go towards a car that will actually run. (laughs) And he's already got a pretty good chunk saved up, and he's got two years left, and I think he's going to be in a really good spot by the time he's Mm -hmm. um, 18. Um, So that's been a big one. Another one, we talked about technology earlier. Um, This is one we actually have stuck with, and it's we've seen the benefit. So great. Uh, And and this counts for wherever we are. So we have this rule of no tech, no technology at the table. So any meal that we're having, it's technology free, and that includes when we go out to eat. Phones stay in your pocket. We don't. We're not the the family that's going to go to Taco Mac and you look over and everybody's on their phone. Right. Unless it's we're playing a game real quick to see who can find out information on a sports team we're watching or something we're not playing on our phones there's no games at the table stuff like that it's conversation Uh, and that's been a big deal for us and the big deal behind it is not the technology it's the relationship so at a very early age whenever they had something they could bring with them and we really didn't even get we didn't have like the ds's were popular in there they didn't get technology until later in their elementary years yeah it wasn't around as much and the big thing is we wanted to let them know that when we went out to dinner as a family or when we sat around our kitchen table we were genuine genuinely interested in them and i would point out i would go to a restaurant and i say look over how exciting does that family look mom and dad aren't even talking you know this little boy's face is lit up with an ipad and no one is communicating. So what's the purpose of going out? And there's no interaction. And it's sad. If you really notice it, if you go to restaurants, it's very sad. And so we've, you know, and I hope I'm not offending anyone, forgive me, but there is a lot. It teaches your kids, A, they have to look a waiter or waitress in the eye when mm-hmm. they order. They can start ordering at a very young age. You can discuss their menu with them and they can say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, please, thank you. 
they also, we just want to learn about their day. And it's so fun because we learn and, you know, then you make fun family memories when you're out. And um, the same goes for it at our house yep. is that we, our dinner time is, I want to know what's going on with your day. Give me a high, give me a low. What's new? Is there something we have coming up that we don't know about? So hands down, that has been relationally for us a very big positive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the last one, Jan even alluded to a little bit in some of our mealtime, um, the whole please and thank yous, yes ma'am, no ma'ams. We've been really big on manners mm-hmm. and uh, and using manners. The boys learned at an early age. They're opening doors for the ladies in our home, which is now mm-hmm. translated into opening doors, not just for ladies, but yep. for anybody. And I tell you what, there were days and years where it felt like we were banging our head against the wall (laughs) on why do we keep pushing and emphasizing manners? They're not using them. But then we learned because others would come to us that they actually use them really well out of the home, and they sometimes just don't use them as well in the home, which right. is why I think we felt like we were banging our we head. We would ask their teachers during you know their teacher meetings, "Hey, are, are our children respectful in the class? Do they use their manners?" And oftentimes they'd be like, "Yes, they do." Yeah, and we've heard several times that they're some of the most well behaved and best manners, and and I think that's just because we had to harp on it. Oh, it was a mantra. Please, thank you. Please, thank you. May I? May I? May I? Open the door. Open the door. But we've just found that it it's going to help them to be so much more successful in life, not in business or anything like that, if they can treat others with respect. Right. And so that's really what the message had always been, and it still is to this day. When now with the teenagers, is it's about the respect. And, uh, and so, yes, ma'am, yes, yes, sir, no, ma'am, uh, no, sir, please, thank you, open doors, um, all those things, trying to teach our kids how to, how to really respect others and be aware of who they're interacting with. Right. And the big thing, too, for everyone is really focus on teaching your children how to not just interact with their peers, but interact up and down. And so that was the big thing is that we are in many different environments where we're with adults and we would introduce our friends to our children and we would expect our children to shake their hands, look them in the eyes. And then also, how are you? Or ask them a question, ask them a question, teaching them not just to be like, Hey, and be, because I think sometimes we tolerate that from our kids and then they grow into be awkward when they have to have social interaction with other people. So just a sidebar that it's, it goes a long way. And most adults will recognize your children because of their manners or how well they interact. And, and they'll so, compliment them on it, which will encourage them you know, to continue to do that. We've definitely seen that. But definitely encouraging them to interact with adults, mm-hmm. shake hands, great handshakes, eye contact. Opening a door. I Absolutely. can't remember. I can remember when the boys were little three, four, five years old, and they would hold a door. And a, a little grandma goes, she's, wow, I don't even get that from adult men. You know, so it's definitely noticed, and it's a dying art, but it's so important yeah. to raising our kids. Yeah. So those are some of the things that we've learned along the way that we believe has kind of helped shape who our kids are and then also shape our relationships. And again, not we're not perfect by no, any means. Our kids are not. we're still on a journey. We're still learning new things. Yep. We struggle a lot. Uh, but we also, we have good relationships with our kids. And these are some of the things that we believe have kind of gotten us at least to this point. Where it goes from here, we don't know. <laughs> know. Who knows what tomorrow looks like That's or even true. the rest of the day today. It's still early <laughs> in the day. Uh, but 
but you know, it's, it's a journey. We've learned that and it does take a village. We've, we, we do know that too. So who you surround yourself with and the parents you surround yourself with. And, and as you start to get older, you see the kids that your kids Mm -hmm. surround themselves with, uh, and their parents, it does take a village. So, um, so those are some of the things we learned. Yeah. We'd love to hear any of your highlights Use our Facebook page as a great place to communicate with us. We would love to see what things are you implementing? What, what's worked for you or what are things that we didn't even discuss that we could still learn from yeah, you on? Absolutely. And uh, be sure to go out wherever you're listening, uh, if it's on iTunes or wherever that may be, um, to rate and review. Um, thanks to some of you that have gone out and done that in the last month or two. That just helps others to find the Hindsight Podcast and learn from all the folks that we've been learning from. Our next episode, we're going to jump into starting to transition into the marriage side of things. So Jan and I are going to share a few things uh, from our perspective that we've learned uh, from some couples we've already started to meet with uh, and met with from some mentors along the way. And then we're going to jump into some of the couples uh, that have been married for 30, 40, and 50 years. So super excited to start digging into that. Well, we're so glad that you're joining us. Excited to kick off a really awesome new year. And we'll catch you on our next episode. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Take care, everybody.